You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Canada Post workers have begun rotating strikes in a number of cities across the country, including right here in this province. Kylie Stanton has more on how it's expected to impact service, including the mail out of a very important ballot. Instead of letters and packages, these Canada Post workers are delivering a message of their own today, calling on the Crown Corporation to step up its latest offer. We don't want to be here on the picket line, but we know this is what we have to do, and we're determined to get fair negotiated collective agreements. Victoria, Edmonton, Windsor and Halifax, the first cities hit by what could be a series of rotating 24-hour strikes after negotiators failed to reach a last-minute deal late Sunday night. The same work is there, fewer of us are doing it and people are tired of that. The union representing the postal workers are fighting for more job security, equality and an end to forced overtime. The corporation claims all of that has been offered up and then some. It includes wage increases, benefit improvements, so hopefully we can resolve this quickly and uh, get back to serving Canadians. In the meantime, there are a few things hanging in the balance, particularly the impact this could have on the mail-out ballots for the province's proportional representation referendum. But Elections BC says there is a contingency plan in place and it wouldn't be the first time it's had to implement it. In the 2011 HST referendum, there was a lockout uh, by Canada Post and there was a two-week time period when no mail was moving at all in Canada. At that time, we did extend the voting period by two weeks to make allowances for that disruption. And then there are the legal cannabis orders from the country's newly opened online shops. If you're waiting on a delivery, you can relax. Strike action will only delay the shipment, not halt it completely. It may impact for that day people's ability to get, uh, to get product, but uh, it will then move on to, uh, to, to another community. Still, the timing of it all may seem suspect, leaving some to question if legalization is being used as leverage. It is absolutely coincidental. It's not strategy at all. We did start negotiating last November, so once you're almost a year in, you sort of have to start putting some pressure on. That could come in the form of another round of strikes in different locations on Tuesday if negotiations fail once again. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Keith Balbury joins us now to talk more about the about pardon me those proportional representation ballots that Kylie mentioned and what voters should expect from them Keith yeah, this is a facsimile of the ballot you're going to be getting in your mail starting this week. Uh, first ones to, to get it are people living in Vancouver, Richmond, some of Vancouver Island. And then next week, the rest of Metro Vancouver and the Capital Region will get their ballots. Now, you're going to be asked two questions. Here they are. The first question is basically, uh, which system should British Columbia use for provincial elections? Vote for only one, the current first-past-the-post system, or a proportional representation voting system? Question number two lists three options of PR, and they are that... That, uh, should uh, FBC adopts a proportional representation voting system, which of the following voting systems do you prefer? Ranking order of preference, you can vote for one, two, or three. Dual member proportional, mixed member proportional, or rural urban proportional. I'm not going to get into the details of each one. That would take the rest of the news hour, Sophie. But I invite <laughs> people to go to Elections BC's website. Uh, they've got some basic explanatory information there on how each system would work and how the current system works as well. So get yourself educated, folks, and get those uh, ballots in. They've got until November mm -hmm. 30th to uh, get them in the mail to elections BC. So if voters choose to switch to a proportional representation system, no matter which one of those three they choose, when might that come into effect? 
Yeah, a lot of people don't know this uh, one. It won't come into effect until July 2021 at the earliest. Why that's suddenly relevant now is there's going to be a by-election in Nanaimo because Leonard Krogh won the mayoralty seat there. He's an NDP MLA. If the Liberals win there, it would be tied in the legislature and there'd likely be an election sooner than 2021 and it would be fought under first-past-the-post. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right. Thanks, Keith. Well, the fact you can now order legal marijuana online and have it delivered to your door by Canada Post has some wondering if liquor could be next. Kristen Robinson explains why it would be an easy next step for the B.C. Liquor Distribution Branch and who's already offering that service. When the first B.C. cannabis store opened its doors, weed was already selling out on its website. But if you want a beer from B.C. liquor stores with your bud, you can't take it to the checkout unless you visit one of just under 200 retail stores. But once the legal cannabis rollout is tweaked to ensure kids can't order online, the province will look at adding alcohol to its e-commerce platform. The meetings that we've had with uh, liquor stakeholder groups have not focused on this as a priority. Um, So it's certainly possible, uh, but it's not imminent. Ontario was the first province to sell booze online with home and local store deliveries. Quebec, Nova Scotia and Manitoba have since followed. We ship this product all over the province. Private BC liquor retailers with bricks and mortar stores have been taking internet orders for two years. At Legacy, they make up about 5% of all sales. Rare items like Bekarovka, a Czech herbal liquor, the number one online sellers. There are over 400 items in our store that you can't get in any other store, and we want to be able to service the entire province. Government online liquor sales would compete with the private market. But Legacy says it won't affect their niche. When you do online delivery, you're looking for a specialty item. More often than not, you won't find those at those big box chain stores. Booze buyers split on whether they'd toast BC liquor stores online. I tend to be more of a go check it out, hold it in my hand and then buy it as opposed to an online guy. I think it's pretty competitive, so I would rather buy from the private stores than the government. It'll be a nice convenience. There are a number of uh, questions, policy questions that would have to be answered about the distribution of liquor, including the weight of the sheer weight of the liquor and the cost of delivery. Until BC has those answers, there's no timeline for the launch of online booze sales. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is appealing for the public's help in a fatal assault. The victim now identified as Wesley Dean Rideout. Investigators were called to the area of 104th Avenue and King George Boulevard early yesterday morning. Rideout was taken to hospital but did not survive. Police say he is known to them and do not believe the assault was random. We believe there are people out there who know what happened to Mr. Rideout on the evening of October 21st at around 2.45 a.m. And we urge anyone with information or video from the area of 104 Avenue and King George Boulevard to come forward. Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum is doubling down today on two key election promises. McCallum is confident he can replace the RCMP with a municipal police force and change from LRT to SkyTrain. John Waugh has more on why the mayor-elect thinks he can get it done despite his critics. So long, Surrey Light Rail. RCMP, get ready to go. At least that's what Mayor-elect Doug McCallum thinks as he charges forward on the promises of change that brought him back to City Hall. They want those done on the first day that we're in. We have already started on that. McCallum says a motion to move to scrap light rail for SkyTrain will be presented at the first council meeting and insists the answers to questions about cost overruns aren't far away. The Evergreen Line, same system, 
Same length, 1.4 billion. The 1.65 billion that we have will certainly cover the construction of the Fraser Highway line. But according to TransLink, when it comes to the early work on Surrey Light Rail, about $50 million has already been spent. And that could potentially all be lost with a new SkyTrain plan. I'm skeptical, absolutely. The Surrey Board of Trade says it will work against the new mayor and council to keep things the way they are. Communicating at the different levels of government, provincially and federally, about why we think the RCMP should stay in Surrey, why we need LRT. To continue to argue uh, doesn't bode well for the Surrey Board of Trade um, in the future, that's for sure. And when it comes to SkyTrain, McCallum seems to have Vancouver's Kennedy Stewart in his corner on the new mayor's council. I do think that is the right choice for Surrey from what I've seen. As for the policing contract with the RCMP, Surrey City Council can opt out with two years notice, but that's not all. It's not as simple as just passing a motion at council saying that we're going to end the contract uh, in two years. There needs to be uh, a proper plan uh, in place. The incoming mayor doesn't believe Surrey even needs the two year notice period and says the political clout of his voters will do all the convincing. The people have spoken in Surrey and and governments listen to the people, especially if there's election next year. So a strong message is being sent to senior levels of government, weeks before Surrey City Council has even been sworn in. John Hua, Global News. Well, now to the sweeping changes at Vancouver City Hall and mayoral candidate Ken Sim today conceded the election to Kennedy Stewart. Stewart will lead the charge with a council where no one party holds a majority of seats. And while that could complicate coming to a consensus on issues, Jill Bennett explains how Stewart thinks it can work. Not yet sworn in, Vancouver's next mayor was swarmed with a rock star welcome when he was spotted on the seawall by some fans who are too young to vote, but clearly interested in civic politics. Wait, you won? What are you going to do? A question on the minds of many, as Stewart prepares to lead a council with five NPA councillors, three Greens, one One City, and one Cope. It's going to be a lively and spirited discussion. But there are concerns with a mix of new councillors with different priorities that could lead to backroom deals, support for some projects in return for support for others, and that might not be what's best for the city. I kind of disagree. I do think that that's what what we've been handed. The voters, uh, they, they wanted this because that's what they voted for. And so they want us to work together. And part of that is compromise. With the Green Party having an unprecedented three seats on Vancouver Council, that voice is now louder and more powerful. We look at ourselves as kind of the glue that's going to bind this new council together. Uh, we have Greens everywhere have a history of really sort of collaboration and consensus building and actually consensus building is sort of built into the global green values that all green parties everywhere subscribe to. But convincing everyone to get along could be a challenge. Until Saturday, Jean Swanson with COPE called herself the most defeated candidate in history. That's now changed, but her goals have not. If they wanted a mansion tax, if they wanted to start ending homelessness fast, if they wanted to build lots of social housing for low-income people, we could work together on that. Swanson says it's a firm no on more condo towers or densification of high-income neighborhoods without sharing the wealth. So it will be more difficult than high-fiving fans, but making sure the new city hall is functional is one the new mayor says is possible. Jill Bennett, Global News. We're learning more tonight about a musician who died over the weekend while filming his latest video. I'm trying to learn to skydive to make this music video and I just crashed and broke a parachute. I'm an idiot. I just came to say hello. 
That was 34-year-old John James McMurray, a well-known musician from Alberta who mixed his passion for music with his love of extreme sports. Well, in a sad twist of fate, he wasn't lucky pulling off a similar stunt this past weekend. McMurray was being filmed wing-walking near Westwold, B.C., northwest of Vernon, when he apparently walked out too far, causing the Cessna to go into a downward spiral. He fell and was too close to the ground to deploy his parachute in time. John is the most positive, inspiring person in the entire world. He never spoke badly about anybody. A great all-around all guy. And I mean it when I say that he was a beacon of light. Literally, literally. McMurray's management team went on to say he'd been training for the stunt for months. The pilot was able to later land safely and no one else was hurt. Well, they were all well offshore, but three powerful earthquakes near Vancouver Island over the past 24 hours are raising concerns once again about the big one. Jennifer Palma has more on what this cluster can tell us about what's happening down below. It's a life-saving upgrade at Burnaby's Alpha Secondary School, where seismic work is underway. Timely after three powerful earthquakes hit 200 kilometers off Vancouver Island within 45 minutes of each other. The first at 10.39 Sunday night at a magnitude 6.6. The strongest at 11.16 p.m., registering at 6.8. Minutes later, a third at 6.5. No tsunami was triggered. So last night's earthquakes occurred on what we call a transform fault. It's where two tectonic plates are sliding past one another. It's a horizontal movement. Since those three earthquakes, there's been dozens of aftershocks fluctuating between a magnitude of 4.0 and 5.2. Had the quakes taken place near an urban area, the devastation could possibly be close to that of what happened in Christchurch, New Zealand in 2011, where there were major casualties and almost 200 lives lost. Each and every day, we see earthquakes across southwestern British Columbia that are large enough to cause damage uh, decades apart. And we see some of the world's largest earthquakes centuries apart. The quakes were so strong they could be felt all the way down to Seattle by some. Back in BC, several reported they heard and felt things shake. Another commenting they felt movement in the 22nd floor of a downtown high-rise. While this episode doesn't necessarily signal more shakers are imminent, it does act as a reminder we need to prepare. Are you earthquake ready? Um, certainly not. Not like in any <laughs> situations. Supplies to last, water, things like that. I think we're stocked with water and food downstairs, and I think we know the appropriate places to go. But could always be more prepared. The takeaway: it's not if, but when. Make sure you have a plan. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Well, today is the very first day of Variety Week here on Global BC. As you may notice at the bottom of your screen, you can see donations are now coming in. And thanks to viewers like you, Variety can help kids with special needs across the province, letting them just be kids. Tonight, White Spot Restaurants is generously matching your donations during tonight's news hour. So please call 310-KIDS now or go online to variety.bc.ca to make a donation. Or you can text the word KIDS to 5678 to make a $20 donation. I'll have to do that in the commercial break. First, though, a man charged with killing a young B.C. girl 40 years ago is finally facing trial for the crime. Gary Taylor Handlin was pleading or has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder in the death of Monica Rose Jack, who disappeared back in May of 1978. 
Grace Key tells us why it's taken four decades to bring this case to court. It was a confession from a Mr. Big RCMP undercover operation that led to the arrest of Gary Taylor Handlin. He's charged with first-degree murder and the death of 12-year-old Monica Rose Jack, dating back to 1978. In opening statements, Crown said Handlin told an undercover officer that he grabbed Monica, took her in his camper, had sex with her, and strangled her. Let's go inside. Monica's loved ones arrived at Vancouver Supreme Court for the first day of trial. The jury heard how the Mr. Big operation started back in February 2014 while Handlin was living in Minden, a small town in Ontario. Handlin initially repossessed vehicles for a man who was actually an undercover officer. Handlin later traveled with the undercover officers to the Merritt area. Over the course of two days, he tried to find the area where he says he abducted Monica while providing more details of the murder. The operation lasted several months. He was charged in November 2014. He was 67 years old at the time. And I've always hoped and prayed that my daughter would return, and she did. But I always hoped and prayed that whoever hurt her and murdered her would also be found. This reenactment shows Monica, who was last seen riding her bike north of Highway 5A in the Merritt area on May 6, 1978. The next day, her bike was found down an embankment about a mile from her home. Seventeen years later, her remains were found in a rural area north of Merritt, about six kilometers from Highway 5A. The jury will review nine minutes of recordings involving the Mr. Big operation. The jury trial is expected to last 10 weeks. Grace Key, Global News. A Vancouver man turns to Consumer Matters for help after his Airbnb vacation turned into a nightmare. And Drew joins us with a dispute over damages, And Yeah, and it was a bit of a nightmare. Thanks, mm -hmm. you too. A Vancouver man says he was shocked after an Airbnb host charged him hundreds of dollars for damages. At first, Airbnb dismissed the charges against him, but then unexpectedly reversed the decision and determined the case closed. That's when Consumer Matters stepped in to investigate. When Ryan Kubeska booked a townhouse in Toronto this past summer on Airbnb with four of his friends, he thought he found the perfect spot. When I saw this place online, it looked very appealing. After spending six nights at the townhouse, Ryan returned home to Vancouver only to discover the host of the townhouse was seeking $200 in damages. The host writing, furniture got moved to different places with scratches on the wall and floor. Damaged towels didn't empty the water bucket for the air conditioning. Ryan says he was surprised. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we paid a cleaning fee, and not to mention we actually had to go out to Shoppers Drug Mart and purchase Windex and other cleaning products because the basic necessities weren't there. Ryan responded to Airbnb immediately, refusing to pay. There were several uh, accusations that were not true. Airbnb appeared to agree with Ryan, sending him an email stating, I wanted to inform you that you do not have to pay the damaged property amount. Your host Raymond does not have enough documentation for us to charge you for property damage. Ryan thought the matter was resolved until he says he received a charge on his credit card weeks later for $800, a security deposit the host had included as part of his house rules. I have no idea as to what they were charging me the $800 for and why it went from $200 to $800, especially after Airbnb apologized and confirmed that the $200 charge had been dropped. 
Airbnb sending a second email to Ryan stating, This decision was made after careful review of all documentation and communication from both parties and is in alignment with our policies and procedures. And goes on to say, As further communication will not change the outcome of this case, we must respectfully disengage from further discussion. I was in disbelief, to be frank. Ryan reached out to Consumer Matters for help. We contacted Airbnb for answers and got the following response. Our original handling of this incident fell below the high standards we set for ourselves and we are working with the guests to make things right. Airbnb's resolution process is in place to try and resolve disputes between guests and hosts and unfortunately it did not work as it was supposed to in this incident. We are reviewing why and how that happened. Ryan was refunded his $800. Under no circumstance will I ever use Airbnb again. Now, Airbnb also adds there have been more than 400 million guest arrivals in Airbnb listings to date, and negative incidents are extremely rare. And if you have a consumer f- issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thank you, Anne. A close call with some tech-savvy burglars as a Calgary homeowner warning everyone about home security. As Global's Jill Croto reports, some garage doors are disturbingly simple to hack, giving thieves quick and easy access to your home. It's one of the most vulnerable places on your property, and more often thieves are getting inside homes through garage doors. But no tools or brute force are needed to break in. A small handheld device is being used to gain access before anybody would even notice. A family in Evergreen is sharing their home surveillance video, capturing a man suspiciously placing something close to their outdoor keypad. My wife noticed somebody... Uh, coming near the garage door and then trying to do something with that uh, remote system. Then I came out, running, ran out, and I asked them, what are you doing? By the time they had already gone to the foreign, but they said, no, nothing like that. We were just waiting for somebody. I just wanted to see what, what exactly that guy is doing. He never did get inside the garage and hasn't returned, but the most unnerving part of it, how easy it could have been. They suspect the stranger was using some kind of device that electronically captures the numbered code used to get into the garage. It's pretty easy to get these devices from online, and uh, it's under 30 bucks. I've seen on some website with free shipping even. The outdoor code was once considered a convenient way of getting into the garage without having the wireless remote. But now, with the very real possibility of that technology being hacked, they've been forced to take extra measures to keep the door locked. Nowadays I latch it inside the garage door so that it's additional prevention. The family is planning on getting additional cameras. It is scary and it's lucky that we noticed it but if not, yeah, the consequences could have been bad. Jill Protel, Global News. A bridge built as the world's longest sea bridge is set to open Wednesday in China. The $26 billion span connects Hong Kong to Macau and the mainland Chinese city of Zhuhai and stretches 55 kilometers. By comparison, Canada's Confederation Bridge is just under 13 kilometers long and a link to Vancouver Island would be around 26. Activists say the new Hong Kong Bridge is an unnecessary multi-billion dollar symbol of excess. They also claim some of the construction material is of shoddy quality. 
In Toronto, alleged serial killer Bruce MacArthur will go straight to trial on first-degree murder charges. MacArthur appeared in court today to waive his right to a preliminary hearing. The 67-year-old self-employed landscaper is charged with murdering eight men in Toronto's gay village and burying some of their remains in flower pots that he used in his business. During his brief appearance in court today, MacArthur avoided making eye contact with the family members of his alleged victims. British police are investigating a shocking racist rant caught on video that has a major airline under fire. Ireland-based Ryanair is being blasted for allowing a man who verbally abused an elderly woman to stay on the flight after making the victim move. The flight had not yet departed when emotions took off. This unidentified man was directing his comments towards 77-year-old Delcy Gale. I feel really, really depressed about it. It happened on a Ryanair flight from Barcelona to London. Gale says the man was angry it took her so long to move so he could get to his seat. When a passenger started recording this video, Gale's daughter was in a heated exchange with the man. Things then escalated between the man and Gale. Don't talk to me in a Eventually, Gale moved to another seat. What have I done? I haven't done anything to attack me because of the color of my skin. A flight attendant told the man to calm down, but Gail is upset he was allowed to stay on the flight. Ryanair says it has reported this incident to police in England, who are now investigating. Joe Fryer, NBC News. Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, aren't saying whether they're having a boy or a girl, if they even know, but Harry appears to have revealed a preference. It happened in Sydney, Australia, after Harry helped a wheelchair athlete taking part in the Invictus Games. Was his response to a shout-out from a fan a hint as to what's ahead? Well, Harry and Meghan are expecting their first child in the spring of 2019. It could be a girl. Or it could be a boy. could be a boy. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be one or the other. <laughs> This is Variety Week on Global, where we focus on the amazing work done by the children's charity to fill in the gaps in service for special needs children left by government health care. For children like Patrick, who struggles with a rare disorder that affects his speech, a grant from Variety means he'll have access to the tools he needs to discover his voice. Remember this one, Patrick, and look at mommy, tongue up. Even though four-year-old Patrick knows the sounds letters make, he struggles to make the sounds himself. Say, mm. Patrick was born with Goldenhar syndrome, a rare disorder that typically involves the incomplete development of the ear, mouth, and jaw. For Patrick, it not only affects his hearing, but also his speech. Because he has Goldenhar syndrome, he has small jaw, he has uneven structure problem. So he cannot say anything, even now. And Patrick's challenges are not limited to Goldenhar syndrome. Look at mommy. He has a process of speech. So that means 
There's something wrong with his brain and the muscle around the mouth, so he cannot control his mouth to say something. What does he say? Uh, uh. Good job. Children with apraxia typically need multiple sessions of therapy a week in order to make good gains with their speech. Fortunately, with Variety's help, we're able to contribute to that and make sure that he has multiple sessions over the long term. So work is finished. He tries to use his speech. He uses sign language. He's a fabulous gesture. And ultimately, that's what we want him to be able to do is to be a good functional communicator. Awesome! I know what you want. <laughs> Approximately 25% of all grants provided by Variety go to children who desperately need speech and language therapy. Your vital donations to Variety can help kids like Patrick discover their voice. Mama. Mama. It's really important for us to have this kind of funding to let Patrick has a more chance to learn real speech. He's lucky. Yay! He's my lucky boy. Very good. Oh, how can you not give after that? If you'd like to donate now to Variety the Children's Charity, just call 310-KIDS. It's that easy. Or donate online at variety.bc.ca. You can also text the word KIDS to 5678 to make an automatic $20 donation. Don't forget, white spot matching donations during the news hour. You can double up. Up there. All right, but just ahead of Christy, an update on the latest huge tropical storm heading for landfall. Hurricane Willa is zeroing in on the Pacific coast of Mexico, including a stretch of high-rise resort hotels, surfing beaches, and fishing villages. The Category 4 storm has winds of 250 kilometers an hour and is expected to hit the coast with a life-threatening storm surge ahead of its expected landfall tomorrow afternoon or evening. That's along a stretch from Mazatlan all the way to Puerto Vallarta. Mm-hmm. Nasty. All right. Christy joins us now with a look at the um, at Hurricane Willa. And lots of British Columbians, of course, love going to Mexico at this time of the year. That's right. It's uh, definitely an area where a lot of people travel, and they are already feeling the effects of it all along the coast. Now, in the last 12 hours, Hurricane Willa has actually uh, decreased or, or weakened slightly. You can see the eye of the hurricane has filled, but it's still a powerful Category 4 with wind gusts in excess of 300 kilometers an hour. Now, as it approaches the coast is expected to continue to weaken as a three. As I mentioned, they're already feeling the effects of it, but the eye of the hurricane itself will likely hit or make landfall tomorrow afternoon. This is the time period for just offshore as a category three. Uh, they are expecting destructive storm surge and waves and the rainfall, once it has moved inland and started to weaken, the rainfall will be significant as well. Some localized areas could see up to 460 million millimeters of rain in just a two-day period. So we'll be tracking this very closely tomorrow and even into Wednesday as they continue to feel the effects of Hurricane Willa. This is a scene out there right now. The conditions have cleared, but boy, the Fog lingered for a long time all along the coast. So this was a scene earlier today. It was about the three o'clock hour that it finally dissipated. But it was cold in that fog. If you were in that fog, you know what I mean. It didn't warm up until you cleared out. And yes, day 14 was today and we are in for a change tomorrow. So this is late tomorrow afternoon into the evening hours. Not a thick band. You can see a very thin band. So this first wave eases us into that change. We won't see a lot of rain and it will move on. So when 
Wednesday mostly dry, but then this next system pushes in. Wednesday night through Thursday, you can expect it to be wet. So there's that first wave. Very minimal amounts of rain expected tomorrow evening and then come tomorrow night, or sorry, Wednesday night into Thursday. That's when we'll see up to 50 millimeters of rain. The rainfall will push in across the north coast further inland. Another pleasant day for coastal regions. We'll see the change. Uh, likely showers by the afternoon hours for these areas, evening hours for those areas. And yes, Wednesday not looking too bad as well, but Wednesday night will be wet and certainly Thursday also. A nice weather window for you. I chose two today just because it is the last nice sunny day. Thanks to Linda for that one and Jillian Mayer for this one. Oh, that's so nice. You can do what you want. I know, I've been switching it up lately. Want. Two today, maybe four tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks. Well, more proof tonight that firefighters have to deal with all kinds of emergencies. A crew called to a house in West Springfield, Virginia, for an issue with a heating duct. It's okay, my mom. It's okay. All right, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Well, they had to cut, uh, to cut a hole in a ceiling to get to the duct and then very carefully pull out a small dog without injuring it in the process. The family pet came out none the worse for wear. All right, give me a little legs. All right. Rebirth. There you go. Thank you. All right, no problem. Aw. We know what you're thinking. How did it get in there? Good there question. Is, That's exactly what no I was thinking. no information. Really? There was no information about how it got in the duct. <laughs> well, so may have left the grate off and he went down. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Seems See, if, reasonable. If, if my heat doesn't work, I'm going to go... Probably a dog stuck in the heat. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, How are you? Okay, I'm good. You guys all good? Good. Good. So far. Oh, why? Do you expect there might be trouble between now and 7 o'clock? I don't know. We've got 15 o'clock? minutes left okay. in the show. Hey, so. before you get going, yeah, go time ahead. out. Yeah. Huge event that you were out on the weekend. Could we talk about that very quickly, the Gift sure. of Time Gala? Yes. Yeah, so you cool. guys were busy with the uh, election, but I was out at the uh, Gift of Time, the Connect Place uh, fundraiser, their big gala event, 800 people, and we raised $1.5 million. So Ooh. thank you to everyone who came out. It was a fantastic night. Amazing. We well missed done. you guys. And you did a great job as MC, as I heard from my neighbors, Thanks. so that's nice. <laughs> okay. e, what did you call him? EP, EP, EP 40. Skating again, good to see. Skating again, yeah. He's upright. That's mm-hmm. good. After taking quite a blow to oh, the yeah. noggin. Well, and the neck, too. You always mm-hmm. wonder about the neck as well. Uh, now, he's not ready to play yet, but he is on his feet. He is skating. Elias Pedersen back at Canucks practice this morning, which, of course, is the next step to getting him back to work soon. I will say this. When he has played... The Canucks have averaged three and a half goals per game. Without him, two goals per game. He has been skating on his own, but uh, got a good half hour in today. Started slowly, picked up speed a bit with a few rushes. He is going to speak tomorrow, so we'll hear from him tomorrow on how his progress has been going. But here's what the coach had to say. Still on the concussion protocol, skating with the team. And uh, that's the update. It's coming along fine. It's a good chance he'll come on the road. Petey, that's the other, that's what the players call him, Petey. But they always have those kind of weird nicknames mm-hmm. that aren't as good as EP40. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Washington Capitals, champions of the NHL. They're also champions at celebrating being champions. Did any team party harder after winning a Stanley Cup than the Capitals? Did Alex Ovechkin ever put the Stanley Cup down? They are at Rogers Arena tonight, as we mentioned, facing a Canucks team that's playing better than we thought they would, 5-3 and three after eight games. Not to be a glass-half-empty guy, but they were good in October last year, and then things started to go bad. But keep doing what they're doing. 
get the goaltending they've been getting, and they have a chance to win tonight. To knock, to talk more about this game and the Canucks' good start, here is Jay with Bo. Well, you have a tough six-game road trip. You respond back, you come home, you have a nice 2-1 overtime victory. Five wins, three losses. I see a team that looks faster this year. I also see a team that competes game in and game out. Have you found your identity? Uh, I think we're getting close. Um, you know, I think uh, we still have to be consistent in our game. We still have to, uh, to prove ourselves even more. But uh, we're definitely happy with our record. We're happy with the way we're playing right now. And um, just to keep that up through 82 games is going to be our main goal. I watched you on Boston again. You scored the overtime winner. You dropped the gloves. One assist shy of the Gordie Howe hat trick. Did you hear about that from the old man? Because I know your dad watches all your games. Yeah, no, um, no, he was in the crowd uh, <laughs> definitely that night or uh, against Boston, and uh, he was pretty pumped about the win. Um, obviously, to be there in that moment for you know for him to be there when I scored the overtime winner. Um, no, it was it was pretty cool to have him there, and um, no, it would have been nice to get the Gordie Howe. I've never had one before, but. Um, I was happy to get the two points. Tonight you get the defending Stanley Cup champions in here. Another stiff test. You had it on, on Saturday, another one tonight. Yeah, I know it's going to be really tough. They uh, they got a good hockey club over there. Uh, defending Cup, Cup champions, if you can't get up for this one, then um, something's wrong. So, um, no, we expect a good challenge here tonight, and we got to be ready for it. When Elias Pettersson went down, who's your leading go- leading scorer, point getter, now that's your role. But do we see a, a team now that's probably going to be scoring by committee this year? Yeah, no, I think to have uh, you know that kind of depth in our lineup to have more than just one line scoring is going to be huge for our group. Um, obviously, um, you know, PD adds a lot of uh, a lot of offense to our group, and um, you know myself and Brock and Barch and, and these guys chipping in as well. Um, it's definitely going to help our, our team going forward. Good luck tonight. It's the Canucks Washington Capitals defending Stanley Cup champions in the building tonight. So at the rink this morning, uh, former Washington Capital and current Canuck Jay Beagle went into Washington's dressing room to get his Stanley Cup ring from being part of that championship team last season. So let's see what happened. Thanks, Big O. Appreciate it, boys. Appreciate the standing all. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. Cool. So it's, um, yeah, it's obviously got your name on the side, uh, number. Um, you know, there's the wins and, and the stuff on the inside uh, has kind of what the series and who you played engraved on the inside um yeah but i don't know about anything special i'll have to look into it a little deeper bigger shiny heavier than you thought it would be uh yeah it's it's bigger and it's um you know like i said before you you saw pictures of it i saw pictures of it when they had the ring ceremony and um you know it's just uh i mean to see it in person it's pretty cool it obviously exceeds expectations for sure I think I'd uh, strain an arm trying to pick that thing up. Okay, so it could have been Washington and Winnipeg last year. Things have worked out better for the Jets in the playoffs. Tonight they're taking on St. Louis. That's a bad start. Ryan O'Reilly, although a nice first pass there from Vince Dunn. That's in the first minute of the game. Colton Perrieco was a goal here, deflecting in off a skate. That made it 2-0 for St. Louis. And the guy who made that good pass to start the first goal gets a goal here off of Patrick Maroon rebound. 3-1 second period. Blues over Jets. World Series starts tomorrow. Dodgers and Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are the favorites. If you want to lay a little money or wager. I tried to put two words together and I almost sprained my tongue. There you go. Yeah, something like that. Someday.
Tesla's had his ups and downs recently, but Elon Musk says one of his biggest projects is about to hit a major milestone. Yeah, known for electric cars and space travel mostly, Musk says the first piece of his futuristic underground transportation system could be ready to test as early as December. In a city synonymous with gridlock and congestion, Elon Musk's boring company has been digging deep. The first track of his underground loop set for a test run on December 10th in L.A. I think this is going to be something that's way better than um, any, any transport system anywhere else in the world. In L.A. and Chicago, Musk plans to use electric pods to carry 16 people at a time at up to 155 miles per hour. Commuters could also stay in their own cars. His plan for L.A., two dozen commuter stations across the city. But some skeptical transportation analysts say it's not a big enough solution. There is no silver bullet to Los Angeles traffic's problems. Still, Musk is boring straight ahead. Musk has a reputation for delivering on his promises, though sometimes missing the original deadline. Despite the critics, Musk is convinced the future of commuting is down there. Tom Costello, NBC News, Los Angeles. He's boring straight ahead. Yeah, get it. Right and he said it with a straight face, that <laughs> guy. He did not crack a smile. Well, we don't know how many takes it took. Well, that's true. He's probably, he's probably upset by that point. It was take 25. Hey, thank you for all of your donations on this day one of Variety Week. Yeah. Uh, we have raised almost $38,000. And with each grant for a child being about 2500 little math. It helps a lot of kids. And we're doing this all week, too. That means viewers across BC have helped 15 children just this hour. We're still totaling all of your donations. So you can still help. And Variety can help even more kids. So please call 310-KIDS. The easiest way to give is to text 5678. 20 bucks right away. And you can do it as many times as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds. And then join us on Friday at Robson Square for the big wrap-up show. Ferris wheel. We're throwing a Ferris wheel into that deal. See you then.